Hi there, and welcome to a different way of seeing. Have you ever wondered how a disabled person lives their life? Join our host Lois Drachen as she chats to people about work, education, travel, sport, the arts, and leisure, and the tools and techniques they use to live their lives with the disability. And now, on with the show. Hi there, and welcome to today's episode of A Different Way of Seeing, a podcast where we talk all things disability. I'm your host, Lois Strachan. And today we're chatting with Marta-Marie Kerner, who's joining us also from South Africa, but from a different city. Marta-Marie, whereabouts in South Africa are you based? First, um, I'm in uh, Rudderport, Johannesburg. And um, yeah, I've been here for about 20 years plus. And I love every minute of the place where I work is nice. And I miss Cape Town. I'm originally from Cape Town, but I love where I am at the moment. Oh, that's good to hear. Well, thank you for joining us on A Different Way of Seeing. It's really great to have you on the podcast. You and I have known each other for some time now, but it's the first time that we have reached out to you and said, come and join us on the podcast. So welcome. And it's great to finally have a chance to chat to you. Thank you. Um, it's really an honor to be here today. Well, thanks for saying that. Maybe we can start off by just asking you to tell us just a little bit of who you are and a little bit of your background. Okay. Um, well, yeah, I'm Marta Marikiena. I live in Aredepo, Johannesburg. Um, through life, I've faced several challenges since a young age. But you know what? I see each challenge as opportunity as it gives me the space to grow and that helps me to achieve my goals. So tell us a little bit about those challenges that you faced. When um, my mom had one of her last checkups during her maternity or pregnancy, though, they discovered that I had no heartbeat and um, they actually had to, my mom had to go to the hospital. I was born and then I was in an incubator for about three months. And yeah, about a year after birth, they discovered I had what they called a slow death syndrome. And what happened in my case, the valve in my brain wasn't fully developed. And they actually had to um, insert the shunt that actually saved my life. That's quite a dramatic thing to experience at such a young age. How did that impact on your family? And and I suppose it's hard for you to answer because you were so young at the time. But no, what I, was the impact? I, I, think with, I, I think with both my parents being um, teachers at that stage, they had a very positive outlook on life. And they knew about the specific developmental stages. And um, when the doctors gave them the news, they told my parents straight. They said, well, your child has only has about a 10% chance of survival or if we insert the VP shunt, she only has a, um, 
she'll survive, but there's a 100% chance that she would end up in home for disabled. She wouldn't be able to walk, talk, dress herself or feed herself. And I think, you know, it was a matter of where the world said, told them she can't, they whispered to the world that she can. It's amazing how often parents are told that um, yeah. when, when receiving a, a diagnosis of some mm-hmm. form of condition or disability for their child. It really astounds me. And then seeing the results of that when yeah, no, uh, what those children no, I, are able to achieve. Exactly. And I, I say, you know, for me, nothing is impossible. Just tell yourself I'm possible. <laughs> and that's a really good um, attitude to take on life. Absolutely. Absolutely. Especially in this day and age, you have to do that. Um, otherwise, you're going to be in this dark, deep, black hole and your life will just be depressed yeah and you'll have nothing to look forward to basically that's so true so tell us a little bit more about your day job what do you actually do for a living i work for audiology and speech therapy practice at the parkland hospital in parktown and honestly, I love every minute. It's so rewarding. It's when you sometimes when you get the patients walking in, they are sure they don't know what to expect. And the audiologist guy, then we make them as comfortable as possible in the reception area. And yeah, they walk out there with a smile. And it's just reward. I actually get goosebumps. It's <laughs> <laughs> so rewarding when they, they know there's hope that they will all be able to hear or a child with a speech. Um, challenge you know when they walk out and you can actually understand what they're saying so it's very rewarding that it's it's such an important thing communication is really really one of the fundamental needs that we have as human beings yeah it's so important and that 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 empathy and understanding and i think me um where I'm coming from and having the package that I have, I've, I've got a good understanding where some of the patients are at in that moment, you know, about that uncertainty. They don't know the way forward. And that's when you need someone to listen, to be caring, to have that empathy and understanding. Very, very true. Now, one of the other things that you are involved in is that you are the founder of an organization called Abilities Without Limits. Talk to us about the organization and how it started and why it started. Okay, so um, Abilities Without Limits are registered as NPC in August 2019. And we educate and raise awareness about disabilities and accessibility challenges. Now, we raise awareness, especially about cerebral palsy, as we are 17 million people globally with CP, cerebral palsy, each one uniquely different from the other. And um, yes, over the years, I've realized how important it is to educate people and raise awareness about cerebral palsy. So what is the main kind of focus of the work that you do at Abilities Without Limits? Um, our focus is especially with cerebral palsy and then then the accessibility challenges and we also focus on adults with cerebral palsy because with some of the stuff like for example I would say exercises 
when you a child with cerebral palsy, you get the necessary access to physios, occupational therapy, and so forth. But when you, re- you reach a certain age, it's like you fall off the wagon. So what happens to you as an adult with cerebral palsy? You still need that access, you know, to the um, places where you can go to for the to have the exercises done and um because as you grow older you get what they call like a post impairment where it's more um pressure on your or strain though should I say on the weakest point in your body and it's it's important to get keep that going. Like for example my weakest point is my arm and my shoulder. So that puts a lot of strain on my neck and my um, back. And I actually have two slip discs. And um, I believe if I had that access to the right exercise since I've left school up till now, um, it wouldn't have been so severe as it is today. So it's definitely a thing to look at to have that continuous access to that necessary exercises. We, we, when you're an adult with, with cerebral palsy. So do you form partnerships with other organizations and other groups to achieve some of this work? Um, yes, I have networked with other organizations as well, and we have connected, and I've connected with quite a lot of them in the USA, and they experience similar situations, and um, we some of them, not all of them, are told that we see kids, we see children with cerebral palsy, but we don't see adults with cerebral palsy in terms of treatment, you know, and exercises. So that that's quite a challenge and a hurdle, I would say, for us adults with cerebral palsy, and there's still a long way to go. But why do you think it is that the focus is mostly on the rehabilitation for children and, and the, the physio and that kind of things? rather than looking at the adult treatment as well? How's that? I, think it's a, I think it's a matter of when they diagnose a child with um, cerebral palsy in the childhood years, it's basically to treat them and to sort of, how can I say, fix them, <laughs> that they're more mobile and where they should be for them to have a normal life as possible. And when they reach that, uh, that age, then obviously they leave school and the job is done. But there's a huge gap between, you know, once they leave school and then adulthood, you know, that co- those college years, there, nothing happens there basically. And, and I course- think also what, I think the, what, what causes that as well is uh, the financial strain because when you're in a school, say, for example, a school for those with disabled, you have the physio and OT in the school. Once you leave school, you don't have it. Then you have to go to a private physio. Once you work and you have to go to physio, you can't necessarily take that time off work to go to physio. So there's a lot of factors that that plays a role. It's not just straightforward. Very seldom these things are, you know. Um, yes. But, but I think as, as also as you say, though, the, the reality is that our conditions change as we grow older. Things don't yeah. stay static. It doesn't. It doesn't. As you age, your, your body changes. And I think the, the change in the body is as 
got much more of a challenging impact for us with disabilities than a person with, that don't have a disability. Okay. You mentioned earlier that one of the other areas that you focus on is that of advocacy around accessibility and inclusion. What does inclusion mean to you? And what does that look like? What what would in total inclusion mean for you? And that is a very good question. Um, if you invite various people, including those with disabilities, for example, to a party that is diversity, the moment you start a conversation with a person with a disability at a party, now that's inclusion. Inclusion is absolutely vital as it allows you to feel part of, not only feel part of, but be part of what's going around you. And you know it's important to feel valued and worthy. And I would also like to add disability is an important aspect of diversity. Whether your child has cerebral palsy or not, it's most likely that he or she might share school or community with a child who does have a disability. Now, talking to children about cerebral palsy can help them better understand themselves and their peers. Now, cerebral palsy awareness helps in subsiding the stereotype mindset of society. And it's important for everyone to get involved in creating a positive and inclusive society. And inclusivity is vital for all. It also, I mean, it impacts on every aspect of society, doesn't it? Yes, it does. It definitely. And do you believe that starting that awareness building with children, with people of younger ages, makes greater inclusion easier as as they grow older? I would say it's a great starting point because 19 out of 20 children, approximately 19 out of 20 children are not disabled. You know, there's only one child out of the 20 that's got a disability approximately. So that gives us 19 children that can be taught more about inclusivity. And when parents walk past a person with a disability and the child sees the person with a disability and they want to start a conversation, let them start a conversation. Let them ask questions because if you pull them away, you know, preventing them from asking questions, they might associate it with negativity or pain, and we don't want that. Yeah, I can remember so many times I've had a child turning to their their mother and saying, Mommy, why is that woman walking with a, a stick? Or why is her dog wearing a, a, a that, that strange harness? And the mother turns around and goes, Shh, don't ask. I'll tell you later. And it increases marginalization. It, it the othering it of us is so yes. much greater. So Absolutely. it is such a huge part. Yeah. Absolutely. So if you had the ability to wave a magic wand and work your magic, what would you like non-disabled people across the globe to know about cerebral palsy? You know what? Um, these past few years I've found ways to explain CP to people. Now, here's a few examples that I've got. One of the examples I have is if you ask a person not to blink their eyes for two minutes, they're going to tell you either it's difficult or they can't do it. Now, cerebral palsy muscles work similar because it's involuntary. 
So, and also what happens is the brain sends the messages to the body, but the muscle and the nerve don't always get the message or they only get partial part of the message. Then the muscle doesn't know what the nerve wants and the nerve doesn't know what the muscle wants. The other way to explain it as well is um, we've got Wi-Fi now, but earlier those days we had dial-up and dial-up was very slow. So this, the CP side is like the dial-up and your non-disabled side is like the Wi-Fi. It's quick and it can react just like that, <laughs> respond though. That's a really great analogy to help someone understand what the realities of your lived experience are. Yes, and, and you know, what, what I also tell people is, you know, when you speak to a person who, with a disability who's got a um, speech challenge and you don't understand what they say, ask them to repeat what they say or repeat what they said They'll appreciate it and they'll realize that you see them as a person and not don't only see the disability. That's true because we are all aware of the way we are coming across to people yes. that we meet. So acknowledging and, yeah, I think that's a really great piece of advice. Talking about advice, in the work that you're doing, you obviously meet a number of people who are dealing with a new diagnosis of disability and working through the, the reality of coming to terms with that. What advice would you give to that person of how to start the process of coming to terms? with a recent diagnosis? No, I, I think it's definitely taking it one step at a time. Um, I think the biggest hurdle is the fear of the unknown. And I would say write down why you are scared. Then make a list of what you can't do and then a list of what you can do. But don't chuck that I can't list. Yeah. See how you can turn that I can't into I can. And it's extremely important to talk about how you feel, even if you talk to a friend or a family member or a colleague. And, of course, you're more than welcome to contact us at Abilities Without Limits. Um, as I mentioned earlier, I had a huge operation last year and literally hit me rock bottom. I really went through a depression phase. and But with my can motivation, and I managed to face my fear and you have a choice to turn it into a negative or positive, and I chose the latter. And you might not have control over your current situation, but if there's one thing that you do have control over, it's the way you perceive yourself, and nobody can take that away from you. I like the the concept of the list of the the I can and I can't, you know, the, yes. the, the list of tasks, but. I wonder almost in a sense if there should be an I can and a I can't yet. Because I do. Um, yes, I agree with you. Yes, yes, definitely. You know, things are constantly changing. We learn new skills, technology changes. We don't know what's going to be possible for us tomorrow that is difficult exactly. for us today. Yeah. Exactly. It's exactly. an exciting world we live in. 
And I think that was one of my biggest fears when I had my operation last year. I wasn't, I was petrified because I didn't know will I be able to work? Will I be able to drive? If I can't drive, who's going to take me to work? <laughs> and you've got all these questions going through your head, and that's normal. That, that's why it's extremely vital, you know, to talk to someone when you're in that deep, deep dark hole or, or write it down what you feel. Um, it, it, you have mustn't keep it to yourself. That's when you going to land up in trouble, you know, then um, you're going to be depressed. That's, it's very true. That that feeling mm. of isolation, I think, is really, really tough to deal with, particularly when you are mm. first coming to terms with a, a disability. Yeah, we all and, feel and, that. And if, 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 if uh, for example, like I had my shunt operation, um, yes, there are some people you talk to and you can, you'll feel, okay, the person they listen, but they don't understand 100% what you're trying to explain to them. Then reach out to other networks. I reached out to um, a VP Shunt page on Facebook, and I connected with quite a few people there that experienced similar things I experienced. And it's, 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 it's good to connect with those like-minded people that are experiencing the same as you in that current moment. I think we are in a very fortunate position nowadays because we have the ability to reach out to communities and to break that isolation. You know, Absolutely. that didn't exist when I first received my my diagnosis of blindness. There was no one that I could really reach out to. I just didn't know anyone else who was disabled. Yeah. Yeah. Particularly yeah. who was blind. Yeah. Yes. But the ability yeah. to research things on online and through communities like Facebook and other social media platforms, it can really be an amazing place to start just knowing that you're not alone going through this. And I think that's a really important thing for someone with a new diagnosis to 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 know about. Definitely. And 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 you know, with, with, with abilities without limits, yes, we do focus on on especially cerebral palsy, but it's not limited only to cerebral palsy, you know, with other disabilities as well. And as I mentioned, if these people with VP shunt or you get different types of shunts, if they want to get in contact with us as well, they're more than uh, welcome to contact us, even with epilepsy. Um of one thing that I didn't mention is I used to get epileptic fits and I'm truly blessed because um, I had it like three or four times and every time I, I fit, somebody was with me. I had the grand mal fit, uh, which caused me to get convulsions and go into semi-coma. And every time somebody was with me and I was blessed, I outgrew it at the age of 70. And since then, it wasn't necessary for me to take any medication either. It's only recently that I've learned that people can outgrow epilepsy. I was talking to a friend of mine whose whose son has has had that experience as well. So I, I think carry on. No, no, it's fine. You carry on. It's fine. No, I was just going to say I think that it's good to know that people can reach out to you, and the important thing is you building a network within the disability community beyond cerebral palsy, with, with, beyond your immediate focus group and 
just that ability to network and pass somebody on a contact to help them, that's really, really important as well. It's extremely important. I find, especially with parents with, with children with disabilities, they're reaching out to us and we guide them. If we can't assist them, we guide them and give them the details or, inf- or information of people that can assist them. And, um, you know, there's no, as you would know as well, there's no actual manual for disabilities. <laughs> Each person with a disability, they are their own walking manual. <laughs> We have to be. <laughs> we have to be. <laughs> that, that's why uh, uh, it's so important to educate people and raise awareness because if you as a person with a disability, I feel done dirt, you can't expect a person that doesn't have a disability to ask questions if they don't know what to ask. We are there to guide them. Yes, and I, I think we can't expect people to to know and I think often exactly. I, I, I see other colleagues and friends with disabilities who are startled that a non-disabled person has no idea of what their lived experience is like but how can they they're not living yeah. that experience themselves yeah, yeah. I think the, the, a, a, a few months ago I, I had a question one of the people asked me how does it feel to be disabled <laughs> <laughs> I don't live my day. I don't live my life disabled. So I said, I don't know. I said, okay, but you are. I said, okay, but I am physically disabled, but I don't live my life disabled. <laughs> <laughs> that was quite funny. <laughs> yeah. So if people would like to reach out to you to find out more about yourself, your work, or to find out more about abilities without limits, how can they reach you? They can contact me directly on my cell, which is 082-895-3917, or they can go to the Facebook page. We've got a Facebook page, Abilities Without Limits, or they can go to our website, which is www.abilitieswithoutlimits, one word, Great. Thank you so much. Now, one thing we haven't touched on, but I'm really curious to find out more about because you and I are friends on Facebook and I often see you posting about your writing. So tell us a little bit more about Marta Marie, the author, the writer. So about three years ago, I got invited to be like a, a, a subwriter for a book. Um, it's, it was written in English. We were about 21 women that wrote our journeys. And, um, yeah, since then, I just basically triggered me and I decided to start with my own book, which I'm still busy with. But I also recently wrote um, my journey for another um, book, it's Afrikaans book. They um, published it, I think, about a month ago. And, um, yeah, that's how my writing started. <laughs> so it's, it's just it's, it's a nice way of expressing 
what I went through and I'll start writing and I think, oh, did I go through that? I can't <laughs> even remember that I went through this. <laughs> and just oh, I dealt with certain situations and, yeah, it's basically it's it's eye-opener for me and it's just so exciting to, to write. It's interesting, you know, having been involved as a writer myself and someone who's kind of explored the publishing world a little bit more, I see a lot of people talking about writing as a way of healing. I also myself as a as a writer, I know that we write for awareness building as well. So there are a number of different reasons that one can or or or, or things that one can get out of the process of writing. Why would you, yeah, would you say it's your benefits? It's been benefiting you. I definitely would say that because you can, you connect with, with other people as well that experience similar situations that you experience and some experience different things. And then it's our opener for me. And I think you, the, the situation was actually much worse than mine. <laughs> <laughs> it actually keeps you humble. <laughs> if it I, makes sense what I'm saying. <laughs> Yes, it does make sense. I I also sometimes, going back through the process of writing, and I think you've alluded to this already, it's that, oh, I actually have probably traveled more further down this pathway than I thought I had. It's a good reminder. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, you 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 build relationships with other people, and it's 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 really it's it's really so so rewarding. And um, you and. Yeah, and they they reach out to you and you share your journey with them and they will tell you, sure, I thought my situation was bad, but it, but you went through so much more. So <laughs> we're encouraging each other basically. So <laughs> so basically the one hand washes the other. So it's it's no, it's very exciting. And if people want to find any of your writing of those books that you've mentioned, where can they find them? What what I'll do is um I've actually sorry, I had the name of the book here. I don't want to give the, the wrong name of the book. <laughs> so um I'll put it out on our Facebook page when we when we publish the podcast. If it's okay with you, then I'll put the exact name of the English book and the exact name of the Afrikaans one. Right. What and, I'll what I'll probably do is actually go come through and contact you beforehand and we can put them yes. out in the show notes with the episode as well. Yes, yes, that would be great. Sorry, I forgot half of the title. And I don't want to just give half the titles. <laughs> don't worry. We we find this. The, in fact, there's a the, another thing in the, the writing industry where I've heard people saying, people can remember their book titles, but they're always going to get the subtitles wrong. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I'm one of those. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us on A Different Way of Seeing today. It's been an absolute delight chatting to you, and I really appreciate you sharing a little of your story with us on the podcast. Thank you. I loved every minute, and I really enjoy it. And when we get a chance again, I will gladly be on the show again. (laughs) Well, that sounds like it. That sounds like a deal. Okay. Take care and be safe. And thank you so much. I appreciate it. What follows is a recording that I received from Mart Marie talking about the plans that she has to celebrate World Cerebral Palsy Day on the 6th of October, 2023.
If you'd like to go along and support Mount Marie, you can look at more details on the Abilities Without Limits website on www.abilitieswithoutlimits.co.za. We wish her every success in celebrating this important day for people with cerebral palsy. The 6th of October this year is World CP Day. We will be climbing the west of seas on the day, celebrating millions of reasons for a more inclusive world. Thank you for listening to A Different Way of Seeing. We would love to connect with you. So find Lois at loisstrachen.com or Facebook, Lois Strachan Speaker. This podcast was edited by Craig Strachan using Hindenburg Pro. Hindenburg, it's all about the story. The credits are done at Naledi Media. Naledi Media, all your vocal needs under one roof. Read by Charlie Gassi. That's it for now. Thank you for joining us and see you next time when we bring you into the world of seeing differently.